0: This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardill. Toronto's News, Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. Here we are again. Another weekend is upon us. I hope uh, it's off to a good start. Thank you for spending some time with Jack and I. Uh, Happy New Year to all of you. Uh, I guess we're into the second week of the year. Second week, Jack?
1: Second trading week, yes. Second. First full trading week.
0: Full first trading week. Yep, indeed. And uh, January uh, is an important month. Um, I pay a lot of attention to uh, the rotation that takes place. Uh, Last year's winners may not carry into this year. Some new themes may emerge. And some of last year's winners do carry through. NVIDIA certainly is carrying uh, its momentum through. But as the month goes, often the year goes. Uh, So January is a very, very important month. don't take my word for it. Let's ask Tony Dwyer. Uh, he works on Wall Street, so he has all the answers. Uh, he's also our, um, he's got a big one, U.S. macro group uh, chief market strategist, and he sits on uh, the firm's U.S. operating committee. Uh, that must be exciting, hanging out on the operating committee with a bunch of other operators there, Tony. You enjoy that time?
2: <laughs> yeah, I do. I always like that. Anytime I
0: can help, it's great. Oh, you're such a nice guy. I can't handle meetings much longer than about eight minutes. Um I don't know how long your meetings run for, but, uh, yeah, man, you know, you're, you're from New York. Eight, you, minutes. eight minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to walk. I got to get, I got to move. Um, how are you, my good friend? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Wolfie. As always. As always, thank you for your, all of your previous years of support um, to Jack and I and to our business that we run. Uh, of course, our job is to uh, look for good, suitable investment ideas uh, that are going to make our clients some money. And you've always been very, very helpful, Tony. I want to thank you for that. And of new, new Year is upon us. So let, let's begin. In your opinion, and again, I know you, you sort of take opinion, put it aside, and look at the data. You may not have looked at this data, it's a bit of a pop quiz, but uh, any um, relationship between the performance performance of the month of January and the year itself?
2: Wolfie, well, I don't believe that that really correlates so well anymore. There's been a lot of volatility in that data series over the last few years because it used to be driven by mutual fund activity at year end and then how you start the year. Um, I don't know that that's as important anymore, given that the quant, uh, the quant funds, and the algorithmic trading, and all those other things that influence the market are different nowadays. So I, am not a big fan of those seasonal, those seasonal calls. It's always going to depend upon interest rates.
0: Interesting. Um, we we bring a fellow on that I used to work with, uh, Tony. You to didn't meet him once. You'd actually really enjoy him, Don Velo. Uh, he has 20 years on you Uh, and he just continues to pay very close attention to the markets and he does believe in seasonal investing and he also uses data uh, and and looking for the uh, correlations. Anyways, it's all about increasing probability. There is no uh, sure thing uh, in the world of investing. And Tony, it was incredible. Um, Jack and I subscribe to a Bespoke Investment Research. And uh, they have a uh, an author, Ben Carlson is his name, continuously data mining, as you do. And he posts various data sets. And what, what I, I love, and the beauty of the business and the challenge of the business is the short term is virtually impossible possible to predict. I think a weatherman does a much better job of predicting the weather which is a very short term, you know, today's weather, tomorrow's weather than they do in the long range. Your long range weather forecast, I don't know if they're less accurate than the short range, but in our business it's the opposite. Uh, The randomness of annual returns from the stock market when you put it on a scattergram it's classic, it's all over the place. Anywhere from up 50 to down 50%, uh, you pick your number in between. And that's basically, no one predicted uh, (laughs) virtually no one predicted 2024 outcome, with the S&P 500 being up 20-plus percent in U.S. dollar terms. I think it was closer to 25%. The 2023 no. outcome for the s Excuse me. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. Um, and everyone tends to predict, you know, plus or minus, and more of the plus side, plus plus seven, eight, nine percent uh, Pathetic. Uh, no point even asking uh, strategies for such calls. I know Tony doesn't even bother making calls. But the long-term is different kettle of fish. So short-term, highly random, Tony. It's amazing. But when you get up to five-year returns, 10-year returns, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 70, the number for the S and P 500, it tends to be somewhere between 10 and 15 percent. If we're to draw a line across this piece of paper, the number is about 10 and a half percent. So the longer term average returns hit what you expect, but the randomness of the short term is unbelievable. Uh, Tony, I'm going to throw it over to you, and then I'm going to take you to the subsectors. What do you make of all that? What I just said to you: short term random, long term very predictable. What do you make of it?
2: Well, I, t- I, I think it's, ab- it's absolutely correct. I mean, that's the data. You can't fight the data. You can try and make excuses for it, but that's what that's what it shows. We we don't put out uh, S&P 500 targets and things of that nature because I, it is so random and unpredictable on a near-term basis. What we do at Canacord is we use the macroeconomic data, you know, the employment reports, the inflation reports, um, lending data, things like that, and tie it into whether the market's overbought, oversold, or where it looks. And I think when you when you employ the different practices in our business, it makes for um, avoiding risk at good times and it makes for um, adding to risk at the right time. So um, I, I don't dispute anything that you said, Wolfie. I think it's uh, it's one of those things where anybody that I've ever I've been doing this 35 years, a little less time than, than your other friend. Um, and what I found mm-hmm. is I haven't found a single portfolio manager that's great every year <laughs> ever. Um, so, okay, but yeah, here, okay, so Tony, here's one for that. you.
0: Um, again, I'm going to stick with Ben Carlson's work. Um, and again, I've seen these scattergrams before JP Morgan puts one out every year as well. You've seen them where you take the 10, I think it's now 11 subsectors of the market, large cap, mid cap, small cap. Those are just, uh, uh, styles or, or sizes. Uh, but then you go, uh, REITs, um, uh, international stocks, bonds, emerging markets, cash, uh, and a few other flavors. You put them in a scattergram, say who performed best with, within each subsector. Again, the numbers are quite random. Once again, when REITs are hot for a couple of years, they tend to go cold for a couple of years, back into the midpoint, etc. cetera. But there's a commonality here, Tony. This I really, really like. And I saw it, I showed Jack the data, and he took the data and circled the same thing I saw, which is great. That's the uh, checks and balances that we offer to our clients. Uh, a, lot, a lot of value in what I just said there. Uh, two heads are better than one, and one plus one does equal three new math. Um, but consistently, Tony, within the top 25% of subsectors or styles, large cap tends to outperform. Uh, I always believe. By- no, that's
2: not. That's not necessarily true over the the long duration. I got about, ten years of data in front cap.
0: of me. I got ten years of data. Oh, yeah, so,
2: yeah. that's so the long over the very long term. Small caps tend to outperform, but
0: yeah, you're right. Yeah, and, and you're right as well. In fact, what I what I've caught over the long term, Tony, is mid caps actually outperform small caps in the last thirty years. That's been the place to be. Uh, Jack, please over to you. When you're talking small cap and mid cap, Wolf, you're talking about the U.S. market because small caps uh-huh. in Canada for not Canadian that. investors
1: uh-huh. be cautious because uh-huh. those small caps are commodity related companies. So I do want to add that They're not uh, caution and warning our large
0: caps are america's mid caps yeah
1: absolutely yeah. the point i wanted to make well, well, when, yeah. when you talk about the long term so short term lots of noise attracts a lot of attention a lot of clickbait out there <laughs> hey, there is well, good that's good i know it's good process 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 so if you want to capture the long-term gains that you're talking about i'm going to say 10 to 12 percent because they are uh, amazing especially when you put compounding in the fact you have to have a process that is able to capture those long-term gains and avoid the short short-term
0: noise and again i'm going to take take it to tony this this sounds like a cop-up but it's not um you got to stay invested you got to stay long uh because the turns when they happen boy do they ever happen quick so tony i'm going to now ask you 2024 just for fun you're going to get it wrong i know i'm going to get it wrong but why not have some fun at being wrong uh what's in for the year
2: so I want to just say one thing, to, and you guys know this, and that is you got to stay long, but you also need an advisor that you can work with so that if you need the money. See, the thing, that, the thing is, it, it's the, the reward has always got to be balanced against the need for capital. So if I have a college student, if I have a child going to college in two years and I know I need that money, then maybe I don't need to be significantly long. So I, I really no, do believe that's, it. that's why you need an advisor because um, for people to meet like me to come on, on these shows and make blanket statements without knowing the people listening's individual thing, I think that's totally inappropriate. It's something that somehow the media became is like this generalization, and it's not about that. It's about your own individual needs, which is why you and Jack exist. I'll
0: tell you, um, so, I'll tell you, you know, it's you know, funny. I, and that's I... not
2: a plug for you guys. It's a plug. For, it's an anti-plug. For listening to people like me in the media telling you what to do without knowing who you are and what your financial position is
0: you make it a very good point tony and I, again the amount of oversight uh that takes place in my world. The amount of people watching Jack and I and Zach and all of us manage money is incredible. There is so much oversight and so much disclosure today. It is insane. Uh, it's, it's just the pendulum has swung in such a direction. In other words, we have to disclose fees and cumulative fees over and over and over again. Usually when you buy something, you know what you paid for when you buy and that's the end of it. In our business, we got to repeat how much you paid for that information. And, but I'm going to parlay that, Tony, this, this is not for you, but I don't know how your system is in America, but up here in Canada, uh, for, for all Canadians who work, you must contribute to the government pension plan, the Canada pension plan. Um, to Tony, it's amazing because the Canada pension plan is a one-size-fits-all. They have no idea anything about your investment objectives, and they do not care. They don't ask for your input. They don't tell you how much they're charging you. How much you put in is mandated by the government. It it is communism extraordinaire, and what you put in versus what you get out, Tony. If if I operated my business the way our government pension plan, yeah, they, please. Phones ring. Challenge me on this one here. I'd be fired. Uh, it, it's remarkable. Uh, I don't know if you ever ran the math on your pension plan. but what's yours called? Uh, your government pension plan, Tony? It's
2: not social security. Uh, uh, well, each, there's so many different kinds. There's state. There's federal. There's local. So oh. there's community. There's there's private. There's public. There's there's a lot of different kinds. But of are, are, plans you in mand- the US. are
0: you are you mandated to go into one government pension plan?
2: No, not that I'm aware of. Oh, but you're I'm not, not an expert in that field. I'm not an expert. Well, no, in that but you,
0: field. You, I, you you don't no, pay we, into a government pension uh, plan yourself, Tony. Is what you're telling me.
2: Um, well, you have Social Security, but yeah. But That's, that, that but
0: be, well, yeah. let me ask you this, Tony. You're, you're a super successful Wall Street man. Will you collect Social Security when you retire?
2: Right now, everybody does, even if you don't need it. And I think that's no, no, I'm collecting from it. From will you collect it? People talk to.
0: Will you collect Social Security when you retire, Tony? Yeah. Oh, you so so, so 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 uh, I mean, basically, all Americans do collect it when they retire. Social Security.
2: I, I don't need it, and I'd rather give it to somebody
0: with. Will Bill um, Gates collect Social, social I, Security? I no, will Bill Gates collect Social Security? Yeah. Okay, that, that's interesting. So as, because, as, the as same you know, the the way, know, the Thompson you family. From yeah. So the Thompson family, um, Ken Thompson, he, he's still working. Is our buddy's buddy, uh, he, he, he will collect Canada Pension Plan. Um, anyways, our, our Canada Pension Plan, what we put in, what we get out, it is criminal that the government gets away with it. It's just a terrible, terrible plan. And I'm sharing this because it just increase how much we have to contribute to it. So what I have to do for my clients, our government pension plan doesn't have to do. I contacted them, by the way, Tony. Um, there's no investor relations department. There is no public relations department. There's no committee I can speak to. No one I can speak to other than a typical government bureaucrat who answers average questions every day. And I have these questions about challenging the whole system, but I have no one to speak to. I am going to challenge Canada Pension Plan because I think it needs to change. We're going to take a quick break and get back to the world of happiness and expectations as it parlays into investing your money with our chief strategist, Mr. Tony Dwyer, live from Wall Street. It's Hi-Fi Radio. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere.
3: There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment. On 640 Toronto.
0: Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it, New York, New well, York. I know someone who's a part of it. His name is Tony Dwyer. He's our U.S. macro strategist, sits on the investment committee. I don't know why he does that, but uh, I guess that's what they pay him to do. He's a very smart guy. Uh, it's all about data to Tony. Uh, no opinions, no personal opinions, Data fa- data and facts. Uh, sample size often is quite small, which is incredible. Uh, how many times has this happened? Well, we only got one occurrence and when it happened, we survived. We always survive. We always survive. It's amazing when I uh, do watch Netflix and I spend time uh, watching uh, stuff on World War II. There's so much stuff on World War II. And, of course, my heritage was on the losing side of that one. But uh, it's just fascinating to see that such an atrocity occurred, uh, how long it occurred, and the amount of pessimism that must have been in the air. Um, and, you know, there is always dark days. And uh, I find that when people retire, Tony, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Um, when people retire, and we've been managing money for them, they're, they're, their mindset towards money and life really, really changes and causes them a lot of unease. A lot of stress uh, occurs when people retire. No jerky movements is, I think, the, the, the uh, summary of advice. As you are managing money as you get older, no jerky movements along the way. Just tweak, adjust. Like if you ever played a violin or about a violin, uh, you can tune with the big knobs at the end of the violin on the head of it. Or you can have a little fine tuning uh, at the, at the uh, bridge. Uh, of the violin. little fine-tuning along the way. No jerky movements when you enter it. Oh, go half into GICs now. No, not the way to do it. Smooth and steady. Um, that's part of the process. That's part of the relationship, part of the advice that Jack and I do offer to clients. Um, Tony, uh, 2024, I'll tell you what's burning in Canadians' minds. I think the world as well. Who's going to be your next president and what's going to happen? Talk to us.
2: I found that trying to figure out the stock market environment based on who's going to win an election is a useless game. I agree. Um, but I do with agree. that, I, and I truly don't know. It's such a close call, and you know I don't like to guess with my money, and I most certainly don't like to guess with your money. There, no, no money. When it, no bet. Money. It
0: doesn't cost you anything. But that,
2: but that's what you're doing when you make it, when you're in my job. And somebody asks you that question, you give a statement, then you then you're on the record with that statement. And I, I truly think it's too close to call. And who knows if there's even a third party that could come in uh, to the game. So when when you think about that, ultimately, Elon Musk, people
0: don't
1: Spend money based on. Can you imagine what Musk, Tony?
0: Tony, can, can you imagine that? Musk being a third a, a contender? I, I, I will say, I will say,
1: Wolf. The market is bigger than the president and the presidential yep, cycle. I agree. And 2016, when Donald Trump first got in, everyone expected it to be a disaster. Yeah. The market actually crashed, I think in the futures overnight and then reversed and turned up the next day. And we had a lot of clients making emotional decisions oh. saying, "I want out of the market. I can't oh. handle this guy." Uh it would have been at that time, look at where the market is now yeah. relative yeah. to where it was in 2016, it would have been a bad choice.
0: Yep. It would have been. But I Tony, I tell you, you um business, I don't think the president's going to really affect business, but what he will affect is our, view, or is our listeners at home and listeners who are driving around the city right now and those who listen to our podcast. He's going to affect people. Uh, if Donald Trump wins, uh, he is going to put people on edge for four years. The good news is four years does fly by. It's something on my radar. Um, I'll tell you, that uh, Tony, Don Velo, again, I mentioned him before. He's a great guy. He lost his dog, um, and he's in mourning, and I feel for him. Um, he's it's, it's, it's very distraught for, for almost two weeks now because of the passing of his puppy. Boy, we connect to it. Do you have a dog, Tony? I do. I do. You 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 love your dog, don't you? I love my dog. How old's your dog? He's he's awesome. How old? He's eight. What kind of dog? He's a, he's a Portuguese water dog. Very this nice. is not the topic I thought we were doing. with. T- 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 it's radio, Tony. It's light. It's easy. It's life. Dogs are part of life. You know, do um, you know the study? You know, excuse puppy. me, IDEX Labs and Zoetis. There's two stocks you can pay attention to, Tony IDEX Labs. It d- <laughs> does the x ray equipment and the, the knee replacement, hip replacement for your puppy that you're going to one day probably And they do in. so
1: well because people love their pets That's and exactly. they will overpay for taking care of them.
0: And then Zoetis is a spinoff from Pfizer. Uh, uh, Pfizer stock hitting 52-week lows, the spinoff of the pet drugs pl- flirting with new highs. Uh, so th- we, it's always parlayed back to business. But, you know, it's about people, too, Tony, and what's important to people. Their dogs are important to people. Th- there was a, uh, a fact, Tony. Someone left their estate to their dogs. I saw it. Yeah, it was hilarious. Did, did you catch that, <laughs> Tony, that
2: story? Didn't, didn't Imelda Marcos, or not Imelda Marcos, um, oh, my God, who's the real estate magnate from New York, Um,
0: Anyway,
2: yeah, people do that, and God bless them. They can do whatever they want. It's
0: their money. And let's let's stay on the topic of money, Tony, because actually our next guest, Michael Hainsworth, he may have interviewed you before. He used to be at, on BNN. Have you ever been interviewed by Michael Hainsworth?
2: I don't remember. Don't, yeah, he, I mean, he knows yeah. you.
0: Everyone knows Tony Dwyer, uh, the man from Wall Street. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, crypto, hot asset class, uh, carry carry over from last year into this year, more product coming to market, SEC approving some new ETFs. It's an asset class, buy into it or not. Uh, there's, a, there's a documentary out there, Tony. You should, you should watch this, all right? Because I'm sure some of your friends perhaps are even be interviewed. It's called The Price of Everything, and it's about the art market. And of course, the galleries and the auctions that take place uh, in New York often, and Sotheby's actually runs those auctions again, Jack. Um, it, it's just fascinating. Uh, and how people view art as an asset class, and they will store 20 and 30 and 50 and $100 and $200 million into that asset class. And you, you, you think valuing the market and valuing stocks is tough, Tony? All right, how about this painting here, buddy? he has got three round circles. Like the colors? What's it worth? Hey, try that. 20 million. Between go, oh, yeah, but you hear the experts talk about that. You know, we debate our stock. You hear them talk about a piece of art. Oh, at least 20 million. Maybe even 30. I don't know, somewhere between 20 and 30 million dollars. That's what it's worth. Are you kidding me? Drive a truck through that. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, also, Tony, it's incredible. The Uber wealthy, man, they do exist, eh? And and, and there, there's a few of them floating around your city. Um, it, it's just it, it's remarkable, and the way they view the world, the way you know other people view the world, it's just, just so night and day. Uh, we got a, we got a little tweet across our desk, Tony. Nvidia. Um, I don't know if this is true or not. It's comical. to a client of our sent it to us uh, that uh, uh, Nancy, Nancy, P- Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi's husband uh, recently purchased five million dollars worth of Nvidia stock. Stock rallies after the purchase. Conspiracy theory. Come on. You know, this just the stuff that people float out there. It just shows you the, the world we live in. It's just unbelievable. It's a scattergram in the short term, but long term is what matters. Process is what matters. Getting started is everything. Tony, how's your savings plan working, by the way? I know I've teased you about this one before because Americans like to lever up. And I think that lever up game is done. Um, are, are Americans getting back into like a savings mode, you know?
2: I don't. I think. I think they're taking advantage of the higher short-term interest rate environment, and that helps their investment side. But I, you know, I think people that can save have always tried to save, and other people like the Dwyer family like to lever up.
0: And you laughs about it. He laughs, how's, the, how's the snow? I know you want to. You want to bombard a uh, sled, as we call them. Yeah. Uh, there isn't I, I, any. No snow, eh?
2: There is any in the
0: Adirondacks as well. It's been awful. Uh, uh, I know at Worcester, they're, they're just getting flooded. We're going to actually have a, a guest on in a couple of weeks. Um, Wally Crowder's son. His name is Glenn Crowder. Uh, he's been doing ski reports and uh, traveling the world like a true ski bum. I'm so jealous of this guy. I don't know how he does it. And uh, anyways, he's going to talking to us about the uh, uh, leisure Business uh, leisure is a big category. I'm a huge believer in leisure. By the way, I gave you that song because I know my daughter really wants to go to New York once for Christmas and, and stay at the, I guess, the Trump Hotel where Home Alone uh, took place. All about Home Alone, after all. Yeah, do, a lot do, of people watch that this year. That was a big movie again. It's incredible. I eh? just, you know, sticking with the classics. I go back to Friends uh, by quality. Uh, stick with the classics. Be willing to be flexible and rotate because the classics can often become the dogs of the Dow. And We, by the way, picked up a couple of dogs of the Dow. Verizon and AT&T, Tony. Uh, right down there at the bottom. And uh, that's been an interesting trade so far. Not bad. Uh, we're still long some U.S. Treasury bonds. That's kind of an interesting new trade for us. And a bit of carryover from last year. But uh, anyways, 2024 is off to an interesting start. Tony not as concerned about the January effect. I am. That's fine. We're allowed to have different opinions.
2: Well, I still think we're in this intermediate term correction. It's got more to go. And then, you know, once it plays itself out, I think we've done a pretty good job of calling for some of these pullbacks and then adding into them. And it could get interesting if the Fed lowers rates and – Bank of Canada and the rest of the global central banks lower rates, like the market thinks, it yep. could prove stimulus.
0: And I think so. Yeah. No, well, in terms of the bond side, I'm, I'm holding on until they cut rates for the first time, and then I think I'm selling my bonds end so sell on the news. But our friend Don Velo, actually, I lost my, my thought. I'm going to bring it back here. Don Velo, uh, at the end of last year, Tony, uh, he said he expects because of the presidential year, he says in the presidential year, the first quarter tends to present some weakness, but by about mid-March, uh, enough weakness has occurred. The market tends to be quite strong, leading in from March into uh, the November period, and I, that sort of dovetails into where you're then uh, believing, Tony. Just a different spin on how he views it and and why. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, a little slug between now and March, and. Uh, Perhaps March break, uh, you get yourself a break to the upside. Had a psychic on, Tony, um, Lynn, last fall, uh, late in the year. Asked her a bunch of questions. She's an intuition expert. Uh, And, uh, you know, she said, she said, Wolf, as you ask me about the market next year, what I see is an umbrella. And I said, does that mean it's going to rain? She said, no, an umbrella is going to keep you dry. So I see the government coming out with this great big umbrella and keeping everyone dry. That leads to me like an interest rate cut. Uh, Just said a different way. I don't know. Am I reaching out straws, maybe Tony? But why not try different things? Keep my mind open and have some fun along the way. Uh, is that okay, oh, yeah. Tony? You good with that? Not too heavy today. Good talk- that, yeah. right, I'm uh, good with that, Wolfie. All right, buddy. You go back to your one minute, one minute uh, New York minute, I should say. Uh, hang out with the investment. Say hi to the guys in the committee, if you don't mind, from Jack and I. Give him a big warm hello. Uh, say how you doing, eh?
2: Always do, my friends. Always Please? do.
0: Keep up the good work. No problem. If, needs- if any of them need my help, I'm just a phone call away. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Dwyer, life from Wall Street, our uh, key global macro uh, strategist. Uh, really, but he is a good friend of mine. I love him very, very much. I want to thank him for his time. Uh, Michael Hainsworth is going to join us. We're going to talk about spending your kids' inheritance. Hey? Spending your kids' inheritance. I got you smiling, don't I? Stay tuned. It's going to be great. Don't go anywhere.
3: There's more hi-fi radio in a moment. On 640 Toronto.
1: They won't let you. Now you must agree. The times they are a-telling and the changing
0: isn't free. You've read it in the TV and the tracks are on TV. You will discover show. Happy New Year, my friends. Anyway, I did it last week, but man, it's still the new year. It says 2024. If David Bowie was around, I'd have him in the studio and have him do a re recording of that. But he's not. And uh, yes, Jackson. Oh, that's David Bowie. It is, indeed. And, uh, well, the next song we're going to play uh, BD, uh, Bob Dylan. Uh, but the times are changing, and, uh, well, it's a new year, and uh, lots to look at. Uh, crypto! Uh, follow through into the new year. The uh, Security and Exchange Commission, the governing body in America, they have approved some more uh, product, shall I say, uh, to trade. Uh, crypto assets, notably M-Bitcoin, and uh, I'm really, really intrigued by the uh, show about the price of everything in the art market. Yes, I'm sort of going backwards with my interest. Just, I'm just fascinated by the art market. I don't know why. Uh, but, you know, crypto, it's still puffs of air, um, but it's real at the same time. Uh, it's remarkable. It's, it's, it's over a trillion dollar asset class now. I think about a 1.2 or 1.3 trillion dollar asset class. I think the gold market is about a 2 trillion dollar asset class. You we'll have to find out what the, the uh, art market is, Jack. Do me a favor next week. Do some work on that. Find what, what is the value of the global art market? Uh, chat GPT or Google it or do something for me. Hainsworth? <laughs> Michael. Michael Hainsworth. He's uh, with us. Where's my jetpack? Um... Very, very dynamic uh, individual, uh, Mr. Haynesworth. You probably remember him from B&N days. Uh, He went solo. Uh, He's creating content. He's uh, marketing. He's promoting. uh, He's helping people uh, do things uh, the way you can do them on 2024, using cameras and audio and video and editing and all kinds of interesting things. Uh, Michael, thanks for joining us. Uh, Welcome back to Hi-Fi Radio, my good friend.
3: Well, thank you very much for having me. One of the the big projects I'm working on right now for a client is how to spend <laughs> your kids' inheritance.
0: I love it. I really do. When you brought that to my attention, I said that is absolutely hilarious. You know, uh, it's like the lifestyle of the rich and famous, um, uh, taken to a different degree. But you know, your little kids can be sorry. I can't say that, but they can be pains. And every now and then, I say, you know, screw you. I'm going to spend everything. Um, so let's have some fun with this, Michael. You know, we spend a lot of time. You know, hopefully, I want people to spend a lot of time building wealth. To build wealth, you have to work and you have to save and you have to repeat and you have to invest. So work, save, invest, repeat. And the problem is it takes about 25 years until you actually accumulate any kind of significant wealth. Uh, 40 years, oh my God, home free. And I'm going to play with small numbers. Michael, Five. Dollars saved a day. That's a uh, eighteen hundred dollars a year. Five dollars a day invested at nine percent, and the stock market. i will give you the data. Uh, it tends to run at about ten and a half percent over multi decades. So we're going to be conservative. Nine percent. Five dollars a day invested. Michael, after forty years, take a guess how much money that would be. Forty. Forty years. Five bucks oh, a day.
3: Give me more. Give me a million bucks.
0: Eight hundred thousand. Good guess, buddy. Eight hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> five dollars a day. So the all, key all
3: for the cost of a Starbucks coffee.
0: That that's it. Say no to Starbucks, say say yes to saving, invest it. a day, but you just got to stick with the program. And the problem is, Michael, I don't know if you remember anything from mathematics class, a concept called rise over run. And then you had to draw, take the math and then draw it. That's what it is. It's a slope. And the change of slope. So if you look at money, it grows like this. And I'm looking at a camera right now, Michael. This is, of course, a radio show, but the slope changes. As it gets steeper and steeper, your your, your outcome is greater and greater. And to, 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 to fast forward, Warren Buffett. This year, my, he's, he's probably worth 120 or $130 billion. 10% on $100 billion is $10 billion. Dollars. Alright, the value of the Royal Bank is 150 so that's basically a tenth of the Royal Bank. After 10 years, Buffett dissed with how much money he's going to make this year. Personally, uh, can buy a Royal Bank. Uh, so, it takes time. It probably took Warren Buffett 50 years to get to his first bill ski. Uh, how old is he, Jack? He's at 90... Mid-90s. I do not mid- know. They're mid-90s. 93, 94, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Charlie got
1: it at 99, so he definitely, he definitely took uh, advantage of the power of compounding. 100%. Well, so,
0: 25 years is where it starts, my good friends. you got to log 20. The sooner you start the better what's the most important thing in investing starting it really is the. if you don't start anything i say to you is completely irrelevant when should you start yesterday so you didn't do that so start today my friends please start today Work, save, invest, repeat. And then you can log your 25 years. And after 40, oh, my God, you're going to thank me profusely. Uh, That takes me to 98. I'm 58, so 40 to 98. So I don't know if I'm going to go as far as Charlie. I'm going to say I'm not going to go as far as Charlie. Um, You know
3: my favorite thing about Warren Buffett is? Is that he's a billionaire who feels no obligation whatsoever to go on social media and tell us every single thing he thinks.
0: You know, he also is not a big believer in, uh, he's actually, he is a believer in spending his kids' inheritance. There we go. Here's a nice parlay, except he's not spending it. He's giving it to charity. Sort of the same yeah. thing. It's just, you know, uh opulence in a different, in, in a different degree. I think he wants to buy himself a ticket into heaven that way, but uh, yeah, uh I think he's a pretty good, pretty honest guy. So, so Mike, let's talk about this. Spending your kids' inheritance. All right. Um, You know. You got to be alive to spend it. That that's one risk. You got to make sure you have enough money for yourself to take yourself to the end comfortably. So let's start with. I think a Canadian retiring today, Michael, minimum two million dollars. Minimum three is better. So yeah, but but we know that you're
3: talking with people on a day to day basis who are high net worth individuals, people who have a lot more money than that, and nothing says spending your kids' inheritance (laughs) like a Lamborghini
0: that's a cool one eh? no, no, what's the big word yeah Lambo that's, that's the right that's the, right, the cool okay, they're called oh a Lambo that would be fun wouldn't it I saw a used Lambo on Marketplace it was $560,000 what's a new Lambo worth
3: a Veneno Roadster is valued at about $8.3 million. Oh, really? It's the most expensive Lamborghini in the world. It was originally priced at $4.5 million, so there's some appreciation for you as well. But the most recent sale was about $8.3 million. The thing is is that what I've learned is that you don't just sign on the dotted line to buy a Lamborghini for that price tag. There is ongoing cost associated with buying a supercar. The annual maintenance is anywhere from $5,000 to $15,000, and the Roadster, of course, because it's designed for high performance, it requires high-quality tires, they'll be replaced more frequently than those on a standard vehicle if you drive it at high speeds, and, and if I know you, and I think I do, you would drive one at, at high speed, so the average tire cost on this Lambo is $3,000, that's each, yeah, a top-of-the-line yeah. tire for a Honda Civic's 150 bucks.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, that, that's incredible. You know, it's funny. I had a client once try to chisel me on my fee that I charge. And I, I I so held firm. I said, he said, well, everyone else is a quarter percent cheaper than you. You got to drop price. I said, no, I don't. In fact, I should raise price based on the, the performance. Uh, but it's more important. I said, uh, you, you have yourself a Porsche. How much is your oil change? Oh, about 800 bucks. I said, right and my Audi is $125, and the Civic is $50. So it's not that you can't compare prices on prices. You know, what, what are you dealing with here? Uh, it's, it's just remarkable. It's all about value, and you get value when you get a good experience. And that's what we deliver, is a good holistic experience, uh, along with a lot of fun. Um, what about yachts, Me- Michael? They, 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 you want to talk about spending dough, large amounts, commission a yacht. Uh, have you studied the yacht market and how long it takes to build a yacht and what they spend on yachts? And you want to talk about maintenance on an annual basis? How about the crew?
3: Ho-ho! Oh, well, here's, here's what I know about yachts, because this is something that, that the team and I are still working on. Um, when you buy a yacht, you need to allocate 10% of that purchase price just for the annual maintenance, because and when I say maintenance, I don't mean just like you know replacing a, 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 a filter or something like that. I'm talking about everything bar- the barnacles. You got barnacles fees.
0: to scrape off the bottom. We'll start yeah, with that. Bar- you pull the thing out of the water. You got to store it. Oh no! And yeah. the crew. You got staff. The, yeah, crew. the crew is, is critical as well. Now, listen, if,
3: if I hooked you on the Lamborghini idea, keep in mind that the insurance premiums for a Lambo are as much as $40,000, depending on the location, the driving history, the coverage level. If you're like me, and grand. I know wow. I am, I'm going to be paying the high end. The parts of repairs are also expensive. The, the dealerships advising buyers to set aside $30,000 a year just to maintain the thing. And since you're in Canada... And you won't be driving this car in Toronto in the slush that we're dealing with right now. Proper storage and care in a climate-controlled facility is about $5,000 a year, depending on where you're you're going. So in the end, you're going to spend as much as $100,000 a year of your
0: kid's inheritance
3: just to keep this $8 million vehicle on the road. A Honda Civic, by comparison, has an average annual maintenance of 800 bucks.
0: I, I drove a Volkswagen Golf, and I just got rid of it three years ago, my friend. Uh, a Volkswagen Diesel. I had it for 8 years and my maintenance you're right it was about 800 bucks a year uh insurance i don't know 1200 bucks a year tires 100 bucks a pop loved that car oh i love that volkswagen michael hainsworth from bnn he's moving up moving on up and moving who was that moving up was that the jeffersons that was the jeffersons that was the the jeffersons
3: to a deluxe
0: apartment (laughs) (laughs) let's have some fun sci-fi radio it's all about money 640 Toronto. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. Go!
2: I'm gonna wake you up early cause I'm gonna take a ride with you. We're going down to the Honda shop. I'll tell you what we're gonna do. Put on a ragged sweatshirt. I'll take you anywhere you want me to. It's all
0: last second gear, yeah, to and last last ran out of gears there, gear, tight, but it was hand fun hand if you ever drove one of those puppies. Automatic clutch, just release on the throttle and change gear. Three up. I think it was three up. must have been three up. Uh, I I, I share with you that song. Michael Hainsworth is joining us. He's a big kid at heart. He wants to spend your kid's inheritance, and God bless him for that. But I was on uh, Facebook Marketplace yesterday, and I was just scrolling. I don't know why I ended up on it. I was just looking at stuff for sale. And I guess that's where I saw that Lamborghini that uh, Michael Hainsworth was talking about. What a beautiful piece of art that is. Uh, But then I came across a vintage 1969 Honda. Mini bike was what we call them. Uh, oh, in mint condition, ten thousand dollars, ten grand. I sent it to my buddy Mitch up in Halliburton. He used to have a. Uh, Honda 70. It was same thing. as a three-speed. A lot more torque than the. You need more than the 50. 50 wasn't big enough. 70 was good. Um, and he drove that thing and drove that thing and drove that thing for years. And I think he put 6,000 miles on it. And he also said, "Well, remember, 6,000 miles driving through the bush is a lot of mileage." Uh, what a fun, fun toy. But to think that would appreciate to, to 10 grand. And what do you do? You, you the the fellow selling it. The best thing to do is take it and hang it up in your man cave. 10 grand. You hang it up from the ceiling. I don't know. But it's your kid's inheritance. Hey eh, Michael, so what else would you hang up uh, from the ceiling if you want to spend your kids inheritance, Michael, let's get serious here. Well, before
3: we went to the commercial break, we were talking about you know how much you could spend on a private island to get mm. away from it all. You know, five hundred grand on the low end, sixty-five million on the top. 500 end five hundred grand, hours.
0: You mean Island. I can buy you can one chill of those. It, yeah. I can buy one.
3: Chile, are you serious? How big of an island? Uh, it's uh, about three and a half acres. And a luxury real estate firm James Edition is telling us that the high end is in the Maldives, and that's uh, including an air strip, uh, strip and accommodation for 150 of your closest friends. But I think you don't want to go that how, far. How much was that you, one? So that one was 60 to $65 million. Okay, we're
0: getting close. Um, wow. Yeah. Now,
3: back, back at home, like you don't want to go that far away. A private island in Georgian Bay, that's $20 million. But when you take into yeah. account... The cost of a, a Georgian Bay private island, you also have to take into account the, the maintenance uh, in, in Ontario for the property, utilities, transportation, insurance. And if you want to take into account the staff labor, the property taxes, just keeping the island afloat, as it were, can cost you anywhere from 45000 to $165,000 a year. Of course, if you are going to find yourself in a private island on Georgian Bay, you're definitely going to want to use the, the Wolfgang Klein private helicopter and if you want to install the helipad at your getaway that's about two hundred thousand dollars once you factor in the construction the engineering the permits the environmental impact assessment as well
0: (laughs) what do you think of those jack you yourself an island sort of it's not a
1: private island but
0: uh, it's not private yeah you're you're on an island
1: but yeah there's expenses for sure and uh, you're talking about five hundred thousand dollars in chile what do you actually get with that uh, michael are you actually getting just the island or is there accommodations there
3: You are only getting the island, so you have to take into account you're going to want to build on it. You're going to need a way to get to it. You're also going to need a way to get the laborers to it to build it in the first place. And then the cost of putting a helipad uh, on a private island in Chile is far less than in Georgian Bay. The rules are a little more relaxed, so you'll probably be able to get away with spending about half that
0: price. Did you watch Succession, Michael?
3: You know what? I I, I did. I tried, um, but I, I, I I felt like I was looking in on the world that i didn 't belong to, and i, I just i just couldn 't keep watching it it's just the, the, nobody on that show you know, uh, is, is, but, is a hero they 're all villains
0: they are but you know you know what I, uh, what I could pretty quickly uh, belong to if, I, if could, I could i could i don 't think it' would hurt you it would be too hard uh, you could adapt and the private jet thing you just walk to that you know walk across that parking yeah. lot I, I, you know it, it'd take me maybe one go i 'd figure it out I could figure that out and get comfortable with that environment yeah. you know yeah, private jet oh.
1: Michael brings uh, up a really good would. point, though, with building costs. We actually just had a, a friend or of ours talking about Turks and Caicos building out there. Uh, luxury oh. property. Oh, yeah. Right? You, you, and you, you, you talk to about places. expensive. We also know people that have built in Bahamas. When you build in these luxury areas, especially far away... Building costs are exceptionally route. higher.
0: Yeah, yeah. The consumption tax. The, the the places like this do not have a lot of taxation. They have consumption taxation. So when you buy ceramic tiles, the tax could be fifty to sixty percent on those tiles. Everything is imported. Uh, transportation costs. Yeah, no. We have a another fella, and it's called the Caitlin Group. Uh, they sent us a email um, about the, a new project in Turks and Caicos, and you're talking about 1000 thousand to $1, fifteen hundred dollars U.S per square foot turnkey operation uh, 32 development but the prices range as high as 22 million u.s. for eight thousand square feet uh down to 4 million u.s. uh for twenty-five hundred square feet now you got a pool uh private pool and i guess you are right on the ocean white sandy beach but there's some serious serious jag um how about how <laughs> about
1: building in the bahamas flying in tiles wolf no, we,
0: we, we have a personal story about that michael some guy was doing in bahamas but instead of buying the tiles area he would pack his suitcase with ceramic tiles and (laughs) Uh, overhead to boot overhead compartment oh yeah funny character my good friend funny funny character uh let's let's take one final stab at it um you know if your kids really cheese you off um and you want to really get back at them uh what else invest in art Invest in art. You mentioned this at the beginning of our conversation
3: here. Investing in art. If a, boat, if a boat is a hole in the water you throw money into, investing art is a hole in your wall you spackle with dollar bills. Investing in fine art involves several costs beyond the initial purchase price. Understanding those costs, it's crucial if you're considering it as an investment. Of course, you've got the purchase price, the most obvious cost, the price of the artwork itself. It can range from thousands to millions of bucks of spending on the artist, the piece, the history, the, the rarity. But then, there's something that most people aren't aware of. It's the buyer's premium if you buy at auction there's a buyer's premium which is a percentage of the final Yeah, how, how much is and that michael from 10, ten to 25 percent
0: wow did you have and, you watched the on uh, netflix the price of everything
3: oh man that's a good show isn't it good yeah, no, What no, a no,
0: world like a total different world. Again, this is a money show. And there's a lot of ways to invest money and spend money and think about money and who has it and who doesn't have it. And, you know, there's some, a lot of people who are under uh, underprivileged, unfortunate in this world. And there's some people who are beyond blessed when it comes to uh, financial ex- excesses. And if you want to find the ex- excesses, just look at the art market. Uh, it, it mm. is bo- and I think there's a tax benefit in the United States uh, when it comes to art as well. Um, so they, they just... Incredible. And a friend of mine uh, once bumped into uh, Ken Thompson. And uh, the Thompson family has been known for collecting art. And, of course, an old publishing company. And they generation of, of, of building art. And that's who has a, the, a lot of this art, is, is the wealthy, wealthy, who's two of each and every country. And they want to diversify. And they often diversify into a bit of art. But he, he actually viewed his private collection. And so there, there was art on the wall, Michael. But there's also art in these cabinets. So the really precious art that was susceptible to the elements, they put in this special vault, and so you have to open up the mm-hmm. vault, pull out the art, look at it, appreciate it, and put it back in the vault. <laughs> kind of odd, eh? But interesting nonetheless, the, eh, Mike? The conservation and maintenance to do something like that,
3: because artwork requires maintenance to preserve the condition, and uh-huh. that includes the climate contro- controlled storage, professional cleaning, conservation work, that tops out about $20,000. Per year. Now, but when you buy art, of course, you need to make sure that it's actually real. The legal fees, the advisory fees, the consulting with art advisors, your lawyers, your tax experts, that can add to the overall cost, and that's typically 20% no, of the value really? of
0: the art itself. Wow, Mike, I do go to fly. And on that note, I want to wish you a great weekend. Uh, it's fi Radio here on 640 each and every Saturday uh, bringing on such fine guests as Mr. Michael Hainsworth. Um, he is the uh, podcast expert. Uh, Where's my jetpack? Uh, if you have any corporate uh, requirement for uh, developing a content, video, uh, Michael Hainsworth, he is a very, very talented man, and he's available to you uh, at a low introductory price price of <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Have a good weekend, my good friends, and thank you as always. You want me to learn more about our process? Visit WolfgangKlein.com, TheWolfOnBayStreet.com. Don't be shy to reach out to Jack or I. We're here for you. No question too big, no question too small. We answer them all. It may be a brief answer, but we'll answer it. I promise. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you. <coughs>